Welcome back to the Crossover Podcast, the show where you get comics and you get sports. And today we're going to be doing a big heaping spoonful of sports as we're going to be talking the NBA and the NHL Finals. Both series are starting. I believe the NHL starts on Wednesday and the NBA is on Thursday. And you know if I'm talking sports, you know I got my buddy Craig Needles here. How's it going, buddy? Good. How are you? Doing good. Um, You know, Craig, on this show, you and I often try to make predictions. Um, sometimes it doesn't work out. I mean, we did an entire MLB over-unders predictions preview earlier this year, and, and you know, we're looking pretty good on that so far. If Actually, you, I think we're doing extremely well. With we're that. doing very well. If, <laughs> if, you, if you listen to that one and you, and you followed us on that one, you're, you're, you're probably look, making, a, looking at, making a tad bit of money there. Was it the Kansas City over your five-star special? Yeah, it was one of my five-star yeah. specials. And yes. we're going to hit that in July? Yes. <laughs> Um, and we had a pretty terrible first round of the, I think, I think it was one of our collectively, probably the worst predictions we've ever had was the NHL first round. Yeah. I went four and four. Yeah. But before the series started in, before the playoffs even started in both the NBA and the NHL, there were two people, I'm not going to name who, but there were two people who predicted in the NBA that the finals would end up being Cleveland versus Golden State. Yep. And that the NHL finals would end up being Tampa Bay and Chicago. And you know, I've learned a thing or two on this podcast and one of the things I've learned is that when people are right about these sort of things, it's good to acknowledge their great efforts. So I'd like those two people who made those predictions to step forward and raise their hands so that we may all acknowledge their great good work. Hey, hello, it's us. <laughs> oh my God, it was us. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> we did it. We're geniuses. We're huge brains with great sets of hair. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, you may, man. You may uh, think to yourself, hey, I, I need to see some some proof that uh, yeah. you wanted that Lightning Blackhawks final. You can uh, listen to that pod. Yeah. Or you can go to uh, fm96.com. Uh, it's uh, the, uh, the, the brother station of AM980, the station that my morning show's on. And uh, all the, the the chorus radio London staffers did their their playoff predictions on there for the NHL, and you may notice that uh, of the the twenty seven staffers who filled it out, I was but the only one who had a Tampa Bay versus Chicago final. So I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, and you know we'll we'll, we'll get some some hits on Twitter where people you know come on and go, oh yeah, it's easy now to say that you got it. Bullshit, you know, like there were tons uh, oh. of so-called experts on NHL and .com and TSN and whatnot who had tons of, like, you know, Anaheim versus the Rangers. They had – some of them had the Blues making the finals and, and, and other types of nonsense like that. So mm-hmm. there there were not a lot of people predicting uh, Chicago, Tampa, because the thing for Tampa was, oh, you know, they're too young and they're not ready to go to the finals yet, and they're Chicago. Ah, oh, you know, they've been in the mix for six years. They're too tired. They don't have enough juice to make it anymore. And, you know, Sharp's leaving, so he won't be playing hard. And ah, it's... Here's, uh, here, here's what I'll say. I think I, I may have said it on the, the playoff predictions pod for hockey we did earlier that the four best teams, or at least the teams that were going to be there in the Final Four, were New York, Tampa Bay, Chicago, and whoever won the Ducks-Jets series. I thought that would be closer, but that's what we said. And it turned out to be exactly what happened. Yeah, we both predicted. That was our our whoopsie. Our our one whoopsie was, I believe, we both predicted Jets in seven. 
Yes. Uh, yes. And it turned out to be the Ducks and Four. And it was and, the Ducks and, and look, Four. <laughs> looking back on it, I, I like the, the the mistake was I I believed in Pavlik a little bit too much, and um, the, the Ducks are a high shooting percentage team. They have been for a while, and I, and I said this that day, and I should have listened to my own advice that they um, because they they shoot a higher percentage than most teams do. They uh, they, they outplay some of their other periphery stats a little bit, but I. I didn't think to myself, hey, wait a minute, high shooting percentage team versus questionable goalie. Maybe that's going to be a problem for the team with the questionable goalie. I, I, I should have taken my own advice, but that's not the here nor there. Moral of the story is I got the finals matchup correct, so I probably shouldn't be judging myself too harshly. Yeah. Um, so that's a good segue. Let's start with the NHL, and then we'll, sure. do the, we'll do the NBA later. So if we go to the first round of the NHL playoffs, my God, just so much fun. Every series was... Damn was good. moderately good to decent, except for yeah. even Ducks Jets, which was a sweep. Yeah, uh, all the games were entertaining. Yeah, all the Jets the kept losing in the last five minutes of each game, right? right? So. Or in, in overtime, I think in one of the games too. It was yeah, yeah. all the games were entertaining. They're at least close, and it was an entertaining brand of hockey that those teams played. The, say well about the Ducks, they play an entertaining brand of hockey, I believe. Um, so there, there was that, and the other series, Montreal versus Ottawa. Yeah, the Habs got out to a three nothing lead, but I think. Uh, an Arden Habs fan at least would have been slightly concerned with that tight, tight, tight game seven, uh, game six, excuse me, that they play. Because once you get to game seven, anything can happen. And uh, two of the three Montreal wins when they got up three nothing were in overtime. That was a remarkably close series. Uh, most of the series were genuinely a very, very good brand of hockey. First round was good. Yeah, the the Habs got up three nothing, and then the Sens, I think, blew the Habs out in game. four. Four, if I yeah. remember, and then, and won, then won game, a close uh, game five. Game five, I think game four they they won by a bunch, and game five they, they scraped by. And uh, game, and six. game six, six was that one nothing game. Yeah, it was when Carey Price just had a classic. I got this yeah. game. He just went out there and he was like, "Don't worry, guys, I'm gonna stop everything and we're gonna move on." Um, one series went five games. Uh, that was the Rangers over to Penguins. That series was tied one one before the Rangers uh, won the last three, and. Um, I remember that series being a lot of fun. I mean, it usually is when those two teams hook up. So three other series went six games. The Wild beat the Blues, and the Blues got to, you know, figure some stuff out. We're going to get to them later during our post-playoffs. So the Hawks beat the Predators, and the Flames Canucks, which was, you know, two bad teams in a, in a right. series. But it was, you know, so much fun to watch the whole way with right. guys flying all over the ice. And then we had two... Um, series that'll, you know, TSN's going to do features on these two series before, you know, you and I both leave planet Earth. Um, the Lightning's beating the Red Wings and the Capitals over the Islanders. As the Lightning continue a tradition of teams winning a game seven in the first round that go on to make the finals. Right. Uh, yeah, which seems to be happening somewhat regularly. Um, and here's the thing about that Lightning Red Wing series is Tampa Bay played remarkably poorly in that series. Basically, everyone except for their three, the the the, the triplets, Kucherov, Johnson, and uh, and Palat was was not good enough series. Stamkos included. They they played poorly. Bishop had a couple of just messy, messy games, and somehow they won anyway. And that kind of buoyed my spirits a little bit. And I thought to myself, hey, they beat the Red Wings, which they arguably could have been the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I think that is not an unreasonable way to look at the Red Wings. Maybe the Rangers, but there's at least a conversation there. So they beat the Red Wings despite the fact they weren't playing particularly well. And I, I thought to myself, okay, well, if, if they're able to do that, they might be able to kind of ride 
that kind of close call in the first round all the way to the finals, and, and here they are. Uh, which series do you think won round one overall? The, the Capitals best round one series? Best round one series. Lightning Cap- or... The Capitals Islanders is, is a good candidate. Yeah. Do you think it's Capitals yeah, Islanders? You know what? Yeah, that, that's what it was. That was a series that I enjoyed watching the most. Yeah, I think it was. I mean, it had, I think, the like middle three games of that series all went to overtime, and then it just ended. Ovechkin was doing stuff, and then right. we got to hear it. Either team could have won. Uh, yeah, it, it could have gone either way. Yep. So we get to round two, which, yeesh. I mean, not the most competitive of rounds. There was really only one competitive series. There was a the, – the Hawks swept the Wild in that series. Like, the games were kind of close, but you watched it and you never felt like Chicago was was ever not, not going to win the series. Yeah, it was yeah. ever not going to win. And I agree with that. I felt when I was watching that series, you're like, okay, you know, maybe Minnesota gets this one, but there's never a point where you're like, oh, wait, maybe Minnesota's got enough here to, to beat them four out of seven times. It just It was never the case. So uh, but the Hawks got out of that one with relative ease. Uh, in the West, the Ducks were toying with Calgary, it felt like. Yeah. Uh, it just, it, that, that series was never close. And you can talk about, you know, there was an overtime game. I think game five went to overtime because Perry scored at the end. And there were some close games, but it just felt like the Ducks were always in control of what was going on. And yeah. you would never thought for even a half second watching that series, okay, maybe Calgary's competitive here. It just was ne- never something that crossed your mind. Uh, in the Montreal versus Tampa Bay series, uh, Tampa Bay had spurts that looked incredible in that series. And then it felt like they took the foot off the gas a couple of times. Absolutely. But when Tampa Bay wanted it, you could sort of like, all right, this is this is what's up, this is what's going on. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely took their foot off the gas a few times. And there's a rumor that John Cooper sort of have confirmed that before that game, uh, that game five in Montreal, uh, a lot of the team came down with some sort of illness, some sort of food poisoning type problem. Um, Ooh, conspiracy, Craig. So, well, yeah. Uh, hey, that, that's John Cooper kind of have confirmed it, but. Looking back with, with having that info, kind of makes sense that they played just as absolutely dreadfully as they did, because you look at what they lost they, that game like six two or something. Yeah, right? it was six two, and you look at what they did in game two, uh, Tampa Bay, and that was their their best game of the playoffs perhaps so far, when they were just all over the Habs in every way that you could possibly imagine, and you, you just knew that that Tampa Bay team might still be in there, and they, they got there eventually. They were up three nothing, but two of those wins, one was the overtime game in game one. And the other was Tyler Johnson scoring with less than a second left. So it was a it was a decent series, but it was another one where I never really felt like Tampa Bay wasn't going to win that series. No, once they got Game Three in Montreal, um, you felt like that one was over. Um, I they they really I mean you mentioned that they took their foot off the gas if if the, unless this food poisoning thing if this food poisoning thing is true which I actually to be honest I didn't read anything about that I did not know that so that's new information to me the way I had it in my head was the lightning got up 3 nothing and absolutely cashed in games 4 and 5 before right. they were kind of like hey we better go ahead and win game 6 cuz like if if we go into game 7 in Montreal or I think it was in Montreal wasn't it yeah it, it would have been in Montreal. it would have been Montreal and Carey Price could have been like hey i got this again don't worry about it so Tampa went out there and i think uh, beat them like 4-1 or something in game 6 um the last series in round 2 holy hell um Rangers Capitals like this series they're going to uh, this series should like they should make a DVD um, 
highlighting just this series. Like, if the Stanley Cup Finals can be as as awesome as this series was, I will take it. But like, the Rangers won in a Game Seven overtime. Yeah, really all se- all seven games in the series were decided by one goal. And there were some moments of ugly hockey there, yeah. but it was exciting hockey just because of the, the closeness of the two teams, and they're relatively evenly matched. Yeah, the final score of that series, like if you total all the goals in that series, the final score was like Rangers 13, Washington 12, which is just yeah. nonsense. Only two really goals. Close. Yeah, only two goals or two games featured teams scoring three goals or more, which was games two and six. I mean, just... So entertaining. Like, if they put out a DVD of this series, I would buy it. That's all I'm saying. I'm not a fan. Like, I'm not a fan of either team. Just as a fan of hockey, I would absolutely buy that series. And um, as we predicted, whenever the Capitals go down, there's going to be all sorts of heat in Ovechkin, no matter uh, how he played. Ovechkin was really good for a while. He that. was fantastic in that. And well, he, had he like, was really good for a lot of that series. He had a golden assist in the Game 7, too. Yeah, he? well, I guess that wasn't enough. No. Um, yeah, he was really, really good for a lot of that series. And, of course, he still takes all sorts of heat for the way it went down but uh he's he's got nothing to worry about no um are we going to get any kind of ovechkin needs to be traded nonsense over the uh i don't think so i think that that those those columns would have come already yeah they were going to exist and they don't so all right so we've got that going for us I think, which... yeah i think that we've, we've we've dodged that bullet if they lost to the islanders it may have been a different story but the fact that they won yeah. that kind of, kind of helps them and, like, they've got a nice little foundation there. They've got some young players that are going to be ready to contribute a little bit more in the next few years. They don't have a lot in the pipeline as far as top prospects go, but they've, they've, they've got some guys who are younger, and you can expect them to be better a little bit for Akoski and, uh, uh, obviously, Kuznetsov. And they've got some money to play with the cap here. Uh, maybe Mike Green isn't back, but I think they can live without Mike Green at this point in their lives. So that, that, that might be a team that uh, is one that you can watch for next year winning the Eastern Conference, depending on a few other things and how they play out. So that puts a capper on the second round of the NHL playoffs. We get to the third round, which just, oh, my God, so much awesome. Um, Both series go to seven games. Tampa beats the Rangers in seven. Chicago beats Anaheim in seven. Um, We both predicted these two teams to win, and we were only off by a game because I think we both had Chicago in six. Yeah. Um, we had Tampa in seven, which we got bang on. We both had Chicago in six, which, you know, it took took them one more game than we thought it would. Um, the Ducks and the Hawks, the fact that it was a Ducks-Hawks series, like we, we got a Gordon-Bombay series. You and I are both unapologetic fans of, of that franchise, yeah. of that particular movie franchise. So when that series started and Twitter flooded with tons of, like, you know, like all, all the, the Mighty Ducks references from the very first one with Hawks, Hawks, Comet Ducks to settle championship. Yeah. Oh, so God. Cool. Everything. Just so much. And, uh, like, uh, the, the Ducks and Hawks, back and forth series, I believe they won alternating games until the Hawks ended up winning the last two. And just a couple of overtime games. There was that crazy game where, I think they it was game. Scored twice in the last two minutes. That was yeah. Game five. Game five. Yeah. The, the, Duck, the Hawks scored twice in the last five minutes. And then was it Corey Perry who scored in? No, Perry set up somebody in overtime, I think. Uh, no, I, I, the overtime winner was... Uh, Bolesky, wasn't Bole- it? Somebody who smacked it up the rebound. Yeah, I think it was Bolesky. Oh, uh, either so way, it was, uh, it was really quick into overtime, which is a nice thing with that one, because that game started late. Yeah, um, it's like a 45 seconds into overtime or something. Bolesky got a pass yeah. from Getzlav, I think, on a two-on-one. Um, 
Here's the amazing stat about the Blackhawks, by the way. That series is tied 2-2. Uh, in the Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Patrick Sharp, Marion Hosa era. Actually, I guess Hosa doesn't count in this because he, he didn't get there until 2010. But in the era of having those four guys in series that become tied 2-2, the Blackhawks, um, they are, they've never lost a series like that. They, it's, so, it's, it's pretty incredible. In games four through seven of playoff series, the team is 40 wins and 14 losses. It's ridiculous. So the Hawks brass will be lobbying to make the NHL playoffs best three, best two out of three from now on, I guess, for the... Yeah, sure they, they, they turn it on early in the series. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and then, not to be outdone by that particular Game 7, but Rangers-Lightning. Oh, my goodness. Talk about a back-and-forth series. Tampa goes up one nothing. Rangers win two in a row to make it 2-1. Then Tampa wins two in a row to go up 3-2. Then the Rangers tie it. It was three Rangers, to three. Rangers won nothing. Tampa two was in it? a row. Yeah. Uh, Rangers won nothing. Tampa two in a row. Uh, and then the Rangers evened it up. And then Tampa won at Madison Square Garden. Rangers yeah. won to force game seven. Tampa wins in Madison Square Garden again. Uh, Tampa Bay played two incredible road games in games five and seven of that series. Just absolutely awesome road games. Absolutely. And, like, it was a weird series. It, like, at the same time as it being awesome, it's also weird because both of these um, – Superstar goalies, and I'm going to put the superstar tag on Ben Bishop. Um, had, they, they each had their, like, I got this game. Like, we talked about Carey Price having it, and I got this game earlier this year. Each of these guys had an I got this game, and they also had to be pulled from a game. Yeah. So, it just lets you know that just, you know, sports are weird sometimes. It's just really weird. weird. stuff happens. Ah, but man, what a great yeah, this finals. It's, it's, yeah, it's been good. It's been a nice little... Uh, Got a nice little playoff run here, which is the opposite of the NBA, and we'll kind of go over that peripherally. Uh, yeah, like, it, and yeah, we got everything we needed in the NBA or the NHL conference finals that we did not get in the NBA conference finals. So let's talk the finals matchup. We get the classic youth versus experience tag on this one. Um, both teams split the season series. Um, it was 101. I think the Lightning won one in regulation, and the Hawks won one in the shootout, so that doesn't tell us anything. Um, Tampa is looking to defeat four of the original six teams en route to a Stanley Cup. They beat the Wings, Habs, the Rangers, and now they're looking to beat the Hawks. Um, Tampa's looking to win their second second cup in franchise history, and hopefully this one doesn't come with an asterisk when it's all said and done. And our... For the Hawks, as far as the Hawks go, if the Hawks end up winning, are you ready to use the word dynasty, Craig? Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think that when you're using the word dynasty, you have to kind of look at the, the competition, how hard it is to do things. Um, and, yeah, they're, uh, the cast of characters has dramatically changed uh, since the first Stanley Cup. The core is the same. The core is Kane, Taze, Sharp, Hosa, Seabrook, Keith. Those six guys have been there throughout, and they've been the consistent presence, and, and the other guys have been traded in, traded out. They've had young players come up to help them. But, yeah, I'm ready to use the word dynasty because I think that in a hard cap era with free agency the way it is and a variety of other factors, I think if they win this series, you are going to have a really, really difficult time finding a team that is going to get to the conference finals. What have they got there now? 
Um, they, they've won three times. So they're five of the last seven years. They've got to the conference finals five of the last seven years. They lost in overtime of game seven, one of the years they didn't get there, against the Vancouver team, which was much better than their team that particular season. It was before they kind of caught some of their younger reinforcements like Saad and so forth. And then the year they lost to the Coyotes, Mike Smith just absolutely feed the series from them. They, they just are tremendous. Everything about the way the franchise's run is awesome. They got smart people running it. They've got great, exciting to watch players on the ice. Nothing but respect for the way that Chicago does business. And yeah, it's, it's a dynasty. You're just not going to find a team that gets to the conference finals uh, five times in seven years and wins the Stanley Cup three times. It's just not going to happen with the hard cap era the way it is. So, uh, yeah, a dynasty for sure. And like, they, and you mentioned that they've got so many smart guys running their team because everyone, let's say they win, everybody's going to win right the, you know, all right, you know, one last cup for the Hawks, you know, um, mm-hmm. Before they become crappy because the, the, the cap doesn't allow them to be good anymore. And, you know, Patrick Sharp's going to have to leave because they won't be able to pay him. And maybe the same for Seabrook, depending on what. Yeah, maybe on. the same for Seabrook. But, you know, they they turn this roster over, man. Like they, we said the same thing in when they won in, uh, I think it was 2000, 2010. 2010. 2010. Yeah. Uh, not long after they won, Bufflin's gone, Ladd is gone, Rustig is gone, and the winning continues, you know? Yeah. And they, who did they lose after they won in 2013? Uh, they lost Boland. 2013 wasn't quite as bad. They lost yeah. Boland. Uh, that was kind of the, the, the main one. And, it, you know, you can find a way to, to, to move on without him. Uh, that was kind of the, the main thing they had in, uh, in, in 2013. But 2010, the teardown there, and for them to be good again so soon after removing such key parts of the roster, who went on to be top-line players in other teams in some way, shape, or form eventually, they... Um, they uh, are, are sharp. They know what they're doing. And, you know, they, they move for Steve to Toronto. They get Stahlberg out of it. They get a few good years of him. And, and Stahlberg left after the 2013 Cup as well. They get a few good years out of Stahlberg. Realize, okay, now's the time he's got to go. Stahlberg goes, and they find other guys to bring him in to replace him. They have Troy Butera-Vinen, who's ready to probably, in my estimation, uh, have a bigger responsibility in the years to come. They've got Billy Paca, who's sitting in the minors. They got brought him back in the Letty deal, who's another guy they had to lose because of cap purposes, was Nick Letty, and who's a, he turned out to be an excellent player on the Islanders this year. Um, just, it, the machine keeps going. Nothing stops. The, the, the machine just keeps going, churning out young talent that they find in different places. And as long as Taves and Kane are good, which we still got a few more years left of that, as long as those two guys are good, they're going to find a way to fill the cracks surrounding those guys. And... I just am in awe at how they're able to do that. You mentioned earlier you had a geeky, kind of a geeky stat for Chicago of, um, of how they do after after game four and series. after game four of the series when it's tied two two. Here's my geeky stat for the Chicago Blackhawks this season, Craig. Counting regular season and playoffs, they are thirty two and zero when leading after two periods. That seems good. That is pretty. Pretty insane. Tampa Bay, this is kind of my geeky stat for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay right now is undefeated in the playoffs when they score first. So that seems good, too. That is also pretty good. Um, Now, the thing for Tampa is their top six guys, 
the way it's going, their top six guys have accounted for 45 of their 55 playoff goals. So their top six guys cannot afford to go into any kind of a slump. Um, the triplets line of Tyler Johnson, Andre Pallet, and uh, Nikita Kucherov, they've been on a tear this entire playoff run. They cannot slow down one iota. And if NHL hockey, playoff hockey has taught us anything, it's that lack of bottom six scoring is never a problem until it becomes a problem. Yeah. And this is one of the reasons why Chicago is so good is because there's always a random moment when you're needing a big goal and, oh, Marcus Kruger scores the big goal in overtime. Or you're needing the big goal and, oh, it's Andrew Desjardins. Or, oh, it's Brian Fickle, depending on who he's playing. And Antoine Vermette, who was scratched in Game 3, saved the series in Game 4 in overtime against the Bucks. That's another good example. And I, I, Vermette's deployment I've had questions about. But um, imagine how good this Hawks team would be if they had six defensemen that they trust instead of, you know, um, four. But we can yeah. talk about that a little later on. That's the other uh, thing Tampa is- Bay is also kind of getting into the same, uh, the same problem that way. But uh, the moral of the story is this. Um, they're really good. And like you said, bo- bottom six scoring isn't a problem until it becomes a problem. And if I'm betting on who it's going to be a problem for, I'm more likely to bet on Tampa Bay than I am on Chicago. Yeah. Um, like my big thing was like, I, I wrote down, I did my like talking head thing of, you know, Tampa Bay will win if blank happens and Chicago will win if blank happens. And I, my big thing for Chicago was their top four defensemen have got to hold up. Like if their yeah. top, if their top four defensemen start to wane at all, then Tampa can easily if, pounce on that. If Duncan Keith starts having some problems because he's playing 32 minutes a night or whatever ridiculous yeah. number it is, that might be an issue. Um, but yeah, generally, um, they're just, they're just really good. Um, let's talk goaltenders <laughs> for this one. Um, it's really weird. Cause like both can show up and not show up seemingly at will. Like it just, it, I don't know. It seems like they both kind of just go like, it, it seems like each coach goes to each of them before or goes to the goaltenders. Like, how you feeling today, Ben? And Ben's like, Having a good day, and they're like, "All right, let's go out there, guys." And then, like, you know, so, and then you can do the same thing, and then they're just not having a good game. Like Crawford's been pulled from a few games, and he's had some some shutout performances. But for Corey Crawford, we've seen this act before, right? Like where he just has a couple questionable games, but yeah. when it uh, is on the line, he's there. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very Chris Osgoody in his intricacies, I would say. Um, that's actually a really good comparison for him, whereas you never would have thought that Chris Osgood was one of the five best guys in the league, or maybe even one of the ten best guys in the league. But he gets on a good team, and there are enough playoff runs where he's either very good or at least doesn't ruin it that he um, he, he becomes a guy that people talk about quite a bit. And I, I don't buy that Chris Osgood should be in the Hall of Fame argument. I think that's a little bit silly. Oh, God. But I, I think that Corey Crawford and Chris Osgood are a very good comparison. Yeah. Um, let's continue our kind of talking head thing. Give me your quote-unquote X-Factor guy for for each team. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, Here, I'll start off with mine. Give you a second to think for, about for it. For Tampa Bay, I'm going to say it's got to be Phil Yeah, I, I have. think that you, you can, the, the triplets, they're not going to be as effective as, they, as they've been throughout the playoffs. I think the Blackhawks are going to be smart and try to find a way to, to neutralize them a little bit. And Stamkos isn't going to be able to carry all the way by himself in that first line. So the Stamkos-Dippola 
Kaloran connection. That that that's got to be a little bit better for Tampa, or at least a little more consistent for Tampa than it has been so far. So I just don't know if they're going to be able to count the same scoring from from the other line. Uh, for Tampa, I had see we're on the same wavelength because I had my X Factor guy for Tampa was uh, Philip's line mate Alex Kalorn, who you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, same deal. Essentially. Yeah, exactly the same deal. I, Kalorn has I don't know if you noticed he's got seven goals and two of them are game winners so far in this yeah. playoff. Sixteen points to go with the rest of that. Um, for Chicago, I I kind of wussed out and I said that Corey Crawford was their X Factor, and I just kind of said you know we've seen this act before from him where he kind of stinks and then gets it together in the finals and, and is just, you know, has his ups and downs, but is genuinely a solid goaltender. Here's what I'm going to say about what Chicago needs to have in the series and who they need to have play well, is they have got to find someone who's not on their first power play unit. So I know that Taves and Kane, they, they played together in Game 7. They obviously played together in the power play. But they've got to find someone that's not Taves, Kane, Hosa, or Saad to be a little bit better when it comes to creating chances a little bit more regularly. Um, I understand they get some key goals from, from certain guys from key times, but eventually if, if those guys have a, a little bit of a difficulty putting the puck in the back of the net, they're going to need to find somebody else who can do it. So they need to find someone a little further down the depth chart. Um, maybe it's going to be Toyota Teravina. Maybe he's a guy that has to find a way to create a little bit of offense, which would be, which would be fun. Um, but they, they, they've got to find somebody who uh, goes a little bit beyond that. But we'll see. I still I think Chicago's going to win the series. But yeah, I was just going to say, give me your prediction. Chicago wins the series in six games. I've got Blackhawks in seven. Um, I, I just I think it's going towards. It's it, a lot of people. It seems to be the general consensus is Hawks in six. Um, I I just I think it's going to take them one. Extra game. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Tampa... We talked about the depth of, uh, problem on Tampa Bay's... Uh, on Chicago's blue line. But yep. Tampa Bay, the, just the way things have gone lately and based on injuries and, and guys who are clearly not playing at full health, Strawman and Hedman are pretty much their only guys who are playing reliably good right now on defense. They need some other people besides those guys to play well. Tampa may regret taking their foot off against the... foot off the gas against the Habs and having to play those three or those two extra games against the Habs because the Hawks swept the wild got a little rest in that series and that yeah uh Tampa Bay hasn't had the rest series and yeah. if you look back at the the history of Stanley Cup winners over the years there's a rest series somewhere in mm-hmm. there for all of them yeah. and Tampa Bay has played one game short of the max so far yeah uh Whereas oh yeah, Chicago, yeah like Tampa Chicago is four games short yeah, Tampa's trying to do the. I remember uh, in 2008, uh, my beloved Boston Celtics, of the 20 or of the 16 games that you have to, or how many, or sorry, what is it? Seven, uh, eight, Max 28. Play is 28. Max, you played 28. The Celtics played 26 of 28 in order to win an NBA title. <laughs> and the uh, Lightning are, you know, dangerously they could close. Do, they could hypothetically do 27 of do, 28. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you a couple of off season questions here that I think you'll have, uh, I think you'll enjoy and have a little bit of fun with, um, which player do you think made the most money for himself this off season during the playoffs here? Yeah. Uh, Matt Bolesky. Oh, agreed. I had Bolesky too. And some team is going to regret that. Oh, yeah. He's what a career 9% shooter. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think he's around a 9% shooter career and he shot like 15% this season. 
he's a worse version of David Clarkson. Yes. And I did not. That's a great deep. comparison. He's he's a poor man's David Clarkson, and he's going to get almost as much money. He almost certainly won't get the term that Clarkson did, mm-hmm. but he's a poor man's David Clarkson. He's going to get almost as much money. Uh, biggest disappointment of the NHL playoffs. Uh, individual player. I uh, got whatever you whatever you want to say. Team player. Biggest disappointment of the NHL playoffs. That's a good question. Uh, it's going to have to be the St. Louis Blues yeah, I got in the some Blues. way, shape, or form. Yeah. Because as we talked about before in the, on the preview, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to give them a pass on playoff failures gone by because just through no fault of their own, every single time in the first round they looked up, uh-oh, Chicago, uh-oh, Los Angeles, and those teams are better than them. Mm-hmm. Minnesota's good. I don't know if Minnesota's supposed to be better than them. and They aren't. I think that there might be some changes in St. Louis's offseason. I think there have to be some changes, and there aren't getting rid of Hitchcock, which I think is a, is a good move. Uh, they, they should keep Hitchcock. The question is, are, are, does some of the roster need to be turned over? Does some of the roster need to be altered? Uh, they've got some good young guys who are coming up, your, your Tarasenko's and Dmitry Yaskins and, and guys along those lines who are ready to fill top six roles, in my estimation, in an offseason where there isn't a whole lot of top six forwards out there. Are the St. Louis Blues sure they still need TJ Oshie for next season? Uh, are they able to get a very good price if they move a guy like Oshie? That's that's something they have to consider. Because if some team's looking to upgrade their offense this offseason, look at the free agent list. It's just not there. It doesn't exist. So it's going to have to come via trade, which is why I think that St. Louis might be able to move a guy like Oshie for a King's ransom. And if the Leafs decide they want to move a Joffrey Lupul or a Tyler Bozak, it might seem like it's going to be tough based on the contract, but I think they'll have a chance just because teams that have money to spend this offseason – uh, there, there's nowhere to spend it in the free agent market. It's going to have to be in the trade market. Yeah, that was going to be my second question, or my follow-up question was going to be, what do you think the Blues do this offseason? And just, I mean, you already summed it up that, like, I, like they've got a T, like, it seems like a TJ Oshie trade is, is coming, doesn't it? They, they got to do something. I yeah. think that they would be not doing themselves the right thing if they go into camp with the exact same group next season. I'm not saying it's TJ Oshie's fault, far from it. I just no, think absolutely it's the not. easiest guy to move based on what they've got mm-hmm. because the replacements might be in-house. I couldn't agree more. Um, all right, here's a little segment I think you're going to have fun with. We're going to do this for the NBA, too. But um, I- I'm just going to say a name of a, fr- of a guy who's about to become a free agent, and you just go ahead and say what team you think they're playing for next year. Andre Sakara. Sic- Huh. That's a tough one. Um, just so many teams could use a defenseman. <laughs> Colorado. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, if they, <laughs> that's that's as good a response as any of them. God, I hope so. <laughs> like, they, that's as good a response as any. My, of them. my thing with like Sakar is a great player, but you kind of want I like he is the only really good. I mean, him and Mike Green, but Sakar is better than Mike Green. Yeah. Um, I think that you're going to have to wind up paying too much for Green. Someone's going to pay. You're going to pay Sakara, who you need to be like a third or fourth defenseman. He's going to get, end up getting paid like a one or two. And you know what? If the Avalanche plays Sakara with a one or two, I would like, I'd initially hate it, but then I'd be like, boy, we need to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Drew Stafford. I can't believe we're speculating what the Drew Stafford sweeps say. I know. Look this, how bad this free agency pool is. Yeah, I know. These numbers are uh, not great. Like, Sakara is probably the number one guy. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to think about a guy like Drew Stafford because 
we're talking about who who needs uh, a borderline top six, but perhaps better off top nine winger, right? Uh, anyone could use that. It's a question of who's going to spend the money and who thinks that that's the piece that they need to put themselves over the top, or at least get themselves closer to the top of the mountain. Uh, so I don't know. It's I, I can't even begin to speculate on on, on a guy like him. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, you know what I mean? Like it's it's easy to speculate when you have like let's go back to the summer when Parise and Suter were free agents. It's easy to true. speculate on okay, who has the cap space to fit in a guy who's making seven million bucks? Who is who are the teams that they're going to be interested in playing in just based on location, based on the talents already on the roster, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? It's it's easy to start thinking about that for superstars. Once you start moving down the depth chart a little bit, it's, it becomes a little bit tougher because if the the big pieces are the are the easiest ones to decide. Okay, this is where they fit. The small little pieces that are filling the cracks of the lineup, uh, anyone can really go out and get them. When we talk about a guy like Sakara, I can say, okay, I know he's not going to go to L.A. because of cap things, or Chicago because of cap things, or Boston because of cap things, and just look at the teams that are capped out. The Rangers are another one. But any any team essentially could use a defenseman like Sakara. Sakara is better than guys that were just – every team played guys in the, these playoffs that are not as good as Sakara. So any team can use a guy like Sakara. The question is who wants him the most and where does he want to play, and it's hard to predict that sort of thing. Maybe he was comfortable with the Hurricanes and goes back there. There's all, all sorts of different options. But at the, the, the main point is when you're not talking about where our superstar is going, it, it becomes a little bit harder to fill in that puzzle. Yeah, I feel like this will work better when we do it with the NBA. This, I feel like this game will just be a little easier when... Yeah, it'll be, it'll be more fun. We do it with NBA free agency. Um, I'll just randomly... You know what? I had a big list here, but we'll, we'll skip a couple. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just ask you about the two for Asian goaltenders. Like, that might be easier to figure sure. out where they... Where do you think Anthony Niemi and Devin Dubnik end up? Because those are the big two. That's that's Dubnik the type of... Minnesota. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. Like, that's the type of hot free agent talk we're getting here, <laughs> that it's like Antti Niemi and Devin Dubnik. Where do they end up? Niemi's an interesting one. Yeah. Does, like... Maybe the Oilers? The Oilers? I was going to say... They've got to do something. Do the Blues kick the tires on Antti Niemi? The Blues should at least ask about Niemi, right? Yeah. I, I mean, uh, all right. Anyway, so Antti Niemi will put a cap on... Uh, hockey talk for us and uh we'll switch to the nba and the nba the playoffs i mean lots of good games tons of buzzer beaters but in terms of just competitiveness probably one of the worst nba playoffs of all time clippers spurs was awesome incredible first round series what was a better series, Clippers, Spurs, or Rangers, Capitals in the NHL? Like, if you Clippers, had to watch Clippers, Spurs. You think so? Clippers, yeah. Spurs was good enough to be an NBA final series and be, like, an excellent NBA final series, mm-hmm. and it was in the first round. So, so let's go over that crappy first round. First off, there were three sweeps. Uh, the Warriors over to Pelicans, which, you know, had no competitive games. Uh, they had one. The, remember the one that Curry hit that ridiculous three-pointer when he was tackled? Yes, you're right. Yeah, 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 you're right. That, that was, was game uh, three. Th- that was, to me, the the everlasting image of that particular season for yeah. the Pelicans and for the Warriors almost. Be uh, one of the everlasting images of Steph Curry's career. They're going to yeah. run that oh, shot. Oh, yeah, he was and, being tackled like he was a linebacker and hits a three. Like, like we're going to – we're gonna, you and me will sit down as old men someday, probably when we, when we have kids and we'll sit down with our sons who will have kids of their own and we'll be bouncing our grandkids on our knees and stuff watching NBA 
like final stuff and like during highlight packages of like playoffs past, they're going to show ESPN's, that. ESPN's uh, 80 for 80. Uh, yeah, they're 80 for 80. Well, well, also just like when they go through the like NBA finals montage of like great finals moments with that like juice, with that music that gets you juiced before the game, like Steph Curry, that shot will be in that montage, right? Like it's going to be right next to like Jordan and, you know, like Bird and Magic's hook shot and stuff like that, right? Like that was like, they're going to like, that's going to be one of the most, iconic shots ever made in NBA history, which was pretty cool. Um, The Cavaliers beat the Celtics in four, and that series will forever be remembered as for Kelly Olenek dislocating Kevin Love's arm. Like, no one is going to remember that series for anything other than that, and Celtics fans like myself are going to forget that series almost immediately. And well, that did... was a gravy series anyway, right? They oh, got absolutely. the worst possible matchup in the first round. The fact that they were even in the playoffs probably shouldn't have happened. Just goes to show how good Terrible at coaching East basketball is. Brad Stevens is. Uh, the East is also awful. Um, but that was a gravy series. And, again, they got the worst possible matchup. Here's the thing is you can out-coach people and you can out-hustle people and you can uh, try to out-think people to a certain point, but – once, you know, the three best players are on the other team, which was the case with the Cleveland and Boston series. I would say, like, four or five of the best players were on Cleveland in that series. That's a good point. Like, is J.R. Smith better than anyone on the Celtics roster? Like, well, that might be true. He's better than them right now, but there's a couple guys on the Celtics where when it's all said and done, they're going to have better careers. Than yeah, yeah, that, that may be true. But if you wanted to win a game tomorrow, J.R. Smith yep. might be better than Absolutely. anyone on the Celtics. Jumper might be better than anyone on the Celtics. Tristan Thompson probably is better. Okay, yeah, obviously it's getting a little bit crazy here. I think that the Celtics got Atlanta in the first round. They could have at least made Atlanta think about it. Yeah, I think they could have pushed Atlanta to six. I, th- I feel like yeah. they would have, at the very least, they would have won one of those two home They would have won, won a game, yeah. 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 But. Um, the Wizards ended up sweeping your Toronto Raptors. Do you want to have a moment to talk about the Raptors at all, or? Uh, we can uh, maybe do that on the draft preview podcast. That's true, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, so, I've, I've had enough of thinking about that. I just think that the entire <laughs> team, like guys were hurt all over the place. Yeah. Uh, there were some questionable decisions as far as uh, roster deployment and things like that. But uh, Lowry was the engine that made the entire thing go, and he clearly, clearly, clearly wasn't right. Yeah. So we had three sweeps. We had three other series. There was a point at this NBA uh, first round where there were six series that were 3 nothing. Three yeah, ended up. Three ended up in sweeps. Two ended up in gentlemen sweeps where the Rockets let the Mavericks win one at home before beating them in five. And the Grizzlies let the Blazers win one at home before beating them in five. So two gentlemen sweeps. And then the Bulls got up three nothing and then did the thing where they took their foot off the gas against the Bucks, let the Bucks win a couple. And then the Bulls won in ended up winning in six. Um the Hawks beat the Nets in six. That series was tied 2-2 at one point inexplicably because – and everyone was doing the what's wrong with the Hawks thing, right? Because the Nets are so terrible. That series probably should have been a sweep too. And we mentioned that the only good series in this was the Spurs Clippers. Now it was a memorable one. Yeah, which – But it was the only good one. Yeah, they should also make a DVD about who pardon me, this particular series. Um, now the second round Pretty more good. than made up for – you had the the Cleveland Chicago series, which yeah. I never really felt like Cleveland wasn't going to win. But you had the two member buzzer beaters in that series. Actually, that that that's not true. There uh, there was a point watching Game Four where I was like, uh oh, the Cavaliers might not win this series, but they, yeah. they ended up finding a way. That was uh, sorry, that was a good series. That was a good series. That was, a good series. Was, that was a good series. Um, we'll come back to that because I got a couple questions I want to ask you about that series. Um, 
Golden State and Memphis was was uh, right, really good. Like the Grizzlies got up two one, and you, you thought to yourself, and they had Game Four at home. Yeah, and you thought that the Warriors might be in real trouble here. Yeah, because uh, that that like Golden State was the one that matched up the best against that particular Warriors team. Well, um, the thing that changed that series was Andrew Bogut on Tony Allen. Yeah. That changed that entire series. And then just classic Steve Kerr coming up with the right adjustment. I don't know whether it was Kerr, Ron Adams, whoever it was, who decided, hey, let's just put Bogut on Allen and see what happens. Yeah, and I messaged him about that because oh, Tony Allen. Brilliant. Because I've loved Tony Allen because he was on the Celtics all those years. First team all defense. First team all defense, yeah. And he was <laughs> fantastic. That clip was great. It'll live yeah. forever. Um, but, like, like Tony Allen, for all the good he did, he couldn't make a shot, a jump shot to save his life. And when Bogut was doing the thing where he's like, I'm just going to play 10 feet off Tony yeah. Allen and make jump shots. If you want to come drive towards me, uh, yeah. feel free. And if Tony Allen started swishing those jump shots, then I would have been like, oh, come on, horse shit. Right? Because like, <laughs> he could never have done that for the Celtics. And so, um, yeah, when he was missing those, I was like, yeah, yeah, there. Tony Allen's still Tony Allen. Um for that one, Mike Conley had that cool game two thing where he came back to with the the mask on his face and and you know looked like he still he still had that black eye and whatnot when he was playing. So that was a pretty heroic effort in game two when he came out. Um, Houston and the Clippers. Um, do we want to say this was a Clippers curse series or pretty bad? And here's the thing though. It, it, it's a Clippers curse series that's inexplicable as to what went on. Yeah. The Clippers, the, the, the problem with the Clippers roster was obvious. The back half was so mismanaged. There yes. were so many opportunities they had to find real-life good NBA players to fill some of those roles, and they didn't do it. Um, they just didn't have enough good players. And uh, Crawford obviously started not being able to, to hit jumpers, uh, especially in the game when they, they had the big That was a big factor. Bunch. That was a problem. Uh, Reddick did not have a particularly good series. Paul and Griffin were very good, but uh, at, at some point it doesn't matter, right? At some point you, you look at it and say, hey, wait, hold on a second. They had how many actual real-life NBA players? Five? Yeah. Jordan, Paul, Griffin, Crawford, Reddick. Is that it? Like, is, is there any other real-life NBA players in the roster? Not no. Picking up like if you, and if you go through the rest of their roster, it's pretty embarrassing. Like, hey, uh, Turkaloo is a name. Uh, Matt Barnes. And, is yeah, exactly. Oh, and Barnes is okay. Yeah, but Barnes is okay defensively. Here's the thing. Yeah. It's, it's one thing to have Hadou Turkoglu on the roster still. Uh, that, that's fine. And you look at the, the history of, of championship teams, especially at the LeBron era Heat teams, and they're like, all right, we're just going to bring this veteran along for the ride because why the heck not? Uh, or this guy's friends with LeBron, so he can be on the roster. Look at Mike Miller, for example. He's a guy who yep. was a very good NBA player at one point, but he can't get on the floor for the Cavaliers now because he's, he's not good enough, and that's fine. You can have guys like that on the roster. When they start playing, that's a real problem. And Turkoglu is actually playing real-life minutes. It's nonsense. It's absolutely, like, like Haydu Turkoglu shouldn't be doing anything except waving a towel. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and he was doing more than that. He was actually on the floor. Yeah, that's this, not good. This series is so weird though, because like Houston, like the Rockets, they they gave up at, in, during that game four, and for like the first quarter of game five, they looked like they quit. And then game six, the Clippers should have won that game. It's one of the all time great collapses. They were up nineteen at one point in that game, and there was only like five minutes left when they were up by sixteen. Yeah, some stupid number. I and forget yet. The exact oh, timing, but it's not good. Yeah, and all of a sudden, Josh Smith starts hitting step-back threes, and, like, like oh, man. Um, 
Yeah, so I, I don't know. Like, and I, I guess maybe it's not a curse. I guess if you sit back and, and all of a sudden Josh Smith step back threes are the reason you go home, maybe you just kind of go, well, wasn't meant to be. Yeah, at some point. But at the same time, you know, you're up 3-1. They had the big lead in one of the games. Just, uh, just a mess. Yeah, the Atlanta-Washington series, even though it only went six games, was fun as hell. There were three buzzer beaters in this series. Yeah. Games Paul, five, three, five, and six. Right. And Paul Pierce almost had another one at the end. Like, that would have been... Like, yeah, been almost sent game six so to good. overtime yeah. by fraction of a second. Um, Cleveland beat Chicago in five, and we mentioned, you mentioned it earlier, that game four was the turning point in that series. Um, we talked about the Clippers curse. Do you think that the Cleveland curse might be over? No, nah, I don't think so. You don't think? Well, because to me, if the Cleveland curse was going to rear its ugly head, that game four was the moment. LeBron hit the buzzer beater, yeah. Well, because LeBron hit the buzzer beater. But remember, before that, David Blatt. The, right, the timeout. Tried to yeah. call. And not even, like, tr- not literally, like, like, there's clips of him running on the court trying to call a timeout. And I don't know how the referees missed that. But it should have been Chris Webber technical foul and the ball for the bulls so the bulls would have been shooting a shot with like it would have been a turnover a shot for the bulls to put them up one and the ball and that would have like that that was the moment for the cleveland you know like horrible stuff to to happen like like cleveland has the drive which you know it is great success to you personally the fumble also great success also to fun. you uh, personal, um, the error in the nine in the in the Tony Fernandez yeah. the Tony Fernandez era. There was the shot by Michael Jordan, so we would have had the drive, the fumble. The am I forgetting any? The decision, the decision, right? And then yeah. we would have had the timeout, right? Like, yeah, me, I, I just think that the Cleveland curse isn't over until one of those three teams wins the title. That's true. I mean, and like, I well, well, we'll get to that whole thing later in the, in the discussion here, but I don't think that one of those three teams. Yeah, I mean, I just, to me, that was, and, like, the NBA referees, damn them, because they get a lot of things wrong, damn them for robbing us of... Having the timeout be a thing. Of having the timeout be a thing, because, like, if that was a thing, and the Bulls go up 3-1, no way Cleveland wins that series, because, like... I don't think so. Like, I just, because Game 5 would have been in Chicago... And no, game weight, five would have been in Cleveland. Oh, yeah, you're right, it would have been in Cleveland. But, like, everything else, like, the weight of everything would have been on that city, too. It would have been LeBron's uh, greatest performance yet. And speaking of yeah. LeBron's greatest performance yet, we're going to need that to get a competitive NBA Finals here. Yes. Um, now, the third round, if I can use my comic book guy voice, worst conference finals ever. Yeah, not good. Uh, not terrible. Yeah. Uh, the, the Cleveland-Atlanta series, like, you just watch that entire series. And, yeah, I think the game three was close. I went to overtime. But you yeah. watched that entire series, and you never thought to yourself, like, hey, maybe there's a chance Cleveland doesn't win this series. Yeah. And like, fact, that thought never enters your head, the, the entirety of it. And Cleveland missing a pretty good player. And Atlanta started getting some guys, seeing some guys get hurt. And obviously that was a problem. And maybe if they have Cephalosha, Cephalosha at least makes LeBron have to work a little bit harder at some point. But still, um, it, it just wasn't competitive. The East was so bad. that, And just think about when, when Kyrie wasn't around which team is there a, a huge difference between Carmelo Anthony's supporting cast of the Knicks and the one at the start of the year and the one LeBron uh, had in the conference finals against Atlanta, like two of the faces are literally the exact same people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, someone put on Twitter, I forget exactly who phrased it this way, but 
what we essentially just watched was LeBron lead the Knicks to the NBA Finals. Like, that's how good LeBron is and how horrible the East is. Yeah. Um, one sweep. Like, another... like, think about this. Other than 76ers, put LeBron on any team in the East this year. Which team doesn't win the East? Uh, nobody. None right. of them. They all win the East. And, and the Sixers, team, I'm not team... willing to rule out the Sixers either. Yeah. Like, who doesn't win the East if you just put LeBron on their team? And the answer, like you said, it might be zero of the team. So, yeah, so we had one sweep. The other one, Golden State beat Houston in five, which was a gentleman's sweep. Uh, they let Houston get one at home where in a game where James Harden just went absolutely nuts. Um, only games one and two were competitive of the five games. Uh, do you believe in the little B curse? I don't even know what the little B curse is. Oh, you don't know what that that? Okay, so little B is some sort of uh, rapper. I like I'll probably butcher this complete this thing as well, and then little B will end up cursing me when he doesn't listen to this. But um, I guess little B is some sort of rapper, and I guess he has some sort of practitioner in voodoo. I don't know the full story. Oh God! But he was the guy. He cursed Kevin Durant about a month before he broke his ankle. I don't remember over oh, what. No. I don't remember over I hate what. Little B already then. Yeah, I don't remember over what. Um, but little yeah, I don't know why Little B cursed Durant, but he but Durant had to go and squash the beef, apparently. <laughs> like cause Durant must have believed in the curse because he went and like went on Twitter and apologized and then there was a photo of Little B and Durant at, you know, somewhere, like a club somewhere or something. I don't know. I don't want to hear about that. Yeah, that they had squashed the beef. But I guess Little B is claiming, because you know how Harden does that little uh, stir the soup uh, celebration when he makes threes? Like he pretends, yeah, he pretends he's, you know, stirring or whisking something. Um, Little B claims that he invented that dance, which, you know, is horseshit. (laughs) But uh, like he claims he invented that dance and demanded that Harden give him credit or that demanded that Harden give him credit for it. And Harden never did, so he cursed Little B, or he cursed Harden before Game 5, and Little B actually went to Game 5, and Harden committed 12 turnovers, which was an NBA playoffs record in the Game oh 5 God. that Little B attended. Well, now I know to never cross Little B, but I also hate that guy. I don't care who you are. If you put a curse on Kevin Durant, you're an evil, evil person. Yes, I believe. And I like the fact that, I don't know if you've been watching, but Durant is slowly turning to, like, the dark side. On, on Twitter and, and stuff I like that. I close attention to what he's been posting. Well, it's just like, you can tell he's just, he's kind of in, you know, FU mode, copyright Bill Simmons. But, like, maybe we see a just angry Kevin Durant next year. I'm, I'm hoping we do. Um, so let's get to the NBA Finals. Um, fewest combined games played by both teams to make the NBA Finals since they switched to a seven-round or a seven That's a seven, all four rounds. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. In 2003. What? Cleveland swept two series and played six, so 14. 29 Cleveland. games total they played. Yeah, 14 for Cleveland, 15 for the Warriors. Yeah, not good. Here's here's my funny stat for this one. You'll like this one, Craig. Steph Curry, a member of the All-NBA first team, in the first round beat Anthony Davis, a member of the All-NBA first team, in the second round, beat Marc Gasol, a member of the All-NBA first team. In the third round, beat James Harden, member a member of the, of the All-NBA first team. And here he is in the finals. Against LeBron James, the final member of the All-NBA first team. That's pretty freaky. I, 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 when I noticed that, I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty good. Um, 
they split the regular season series one to one. The home Vaughn, team I think only played one of the games. Yeah, the home team won each game. Uh, on the 9th of January, the Warriors won one twelve ninety four. LeBron did not play that game, and the Splash Brothers combined for forty seven points on seven of eighteen from behind the arc. Uh, they met again on the 26th of February, where the Cavs won 110-99. LeBron had 42-11, and 11, and the Splash Brothers combined for 31 in that particular game. Um, who is going to draw the unenviable task of guarding LeBron in this series for Golden State? I think it's going to be a few different people. I think they're going to kind of change their looks up a little bit. I think Green is going to get some time there. I think Iguodala might even get some time there. Uh, I think you might see some Harrison Barnes on LeBron action. I think Green will have him on the most important possessions, but I think that because they're going to want to change their looks as many times as they possibly can just so LeBron isn't able to pick things apart, um, it's going to be a few different guys. Do you think, like, I just want to see this personally, but do you think we get a chance that LeBron James, because, you know, we know LeBron likes to sometimes guard the best guy on the court. Right. Do we see him hand check and Steph Curry if Curry I goes, think at some point in the series that is going to be a thing that happens in the heat check mode god I hope so I think I that think would at be... some point in this series that is going to I don't think it's going to be something that happens regularly by any stretch of the imagination and the Cavaliers are a good defensive team they've got some good defensive players that might be able to handle that assignment besides just LeBron I think though at some point LeBron's going to say let me handle this for a few for a few possessions yeah I oh god I can't wait for that to happen um give me your x factor guy for for this series this is going to sound like the worst answer ever, and it, but it's true. The only way this is a really competitive series is if LeBron James is just paints his masterpiece. LeBron James. So LeBron, LeBron James. LeBron James is the X factor for Cleveland, just because. Yeah. If if you look at the other guys on the court, like you know maybe Kyrie has a big series or something along with I don't know, but I just think that the the talent efficiency, the the gulf between the two teams is big enough that. Um, if this is going to be a competitive series, LeBron has to do the heavy lifting. It has to be great. And I think he's going to be great no matter what, but he has to be uh, a level of greatness that we rarely, if ever, see in team sports in North America. And LeBron, if, if anyone's capable of that, it's him. But that's kind of what we have to see here. I think the talent disparity here is, is, is big enough that that is, is the case. I just don't see how the Cleveland team as constituted is going to be able to um, cause a, a, a problem for Golden State, and Golden State is going to be able to stop Cleveland from scoring, I think, very regularly. So uh, Le- LeBron is the X factor. And, you know, we can, we can talk about Kyrie, and Kyrie has to be good. Kyrie has to be good also for this to be a competitive series. And, is he guaranteed uh, to play? has to control... Uh, yeah, he he's gonna be. He, he was out there for the the final. Good. Game. Okay, that's good because I don't want Thompson. I, I want him to play in this series. Thompson, we're not sure about game one at this point because of this concussion. Because of concussion, yeah. Right. Cleveland has to control the uh, the glass. I think to have a chance in series two, they're gonna need to have a lot of second chance points. They can't give Golden State too many extra possessions either. So Cleveland's gonna have to control the glass here a little bit. And with Mozgov and Thompson, there's a chance that they do. But that that's I guess another thing that they have to to have go for them. But uh, yeah, it, yeah, it, it's got to it's it's got to be LeBron. LeBron has to be the guy. Um, otherwise, it's just not going to work. I had Mozgov as my X factor guy for Cleveland, but I'm actually incredibly jealous of your. Hey, I'm just going to pick LeBron James as the <laughs> X factor. I think that I think that was a much better answer than my. Yeah, Mozgov's got to control the defensive glass. If he rebounds, they're gonna you know it's gonna just help them 
And so I still much. think LeBron's going to be the best player in this series. Oh, God, yes. I think he's going to be the best player in the series. I just don't know if it means that he's going to win and the series. That brings us, because, you know, most of the, um, the the talking heads, for as far as NBA goes, they always say, you know, the team with the best player wins the series, which is... Usually true. Usually true. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I've been struggling with the prediction in this one. In my, my, like, if you ask me, like, who I want to win, I, God, I don't even know, because I'd like to see Cleveland just, like, I'd like to see that city just get that monkey off their backs. But I, so would I. don't think I could handle, like, if Golden State loses, I don't think I could handle an entire offseason of the annoying old school guys. Skabalis, um saying crap like, you know, well, you know, jump shooting teams, they can't win the NBA finals. Here's the thing, no, though. Bayless can't win this series no matter what happens. That's true. Because one of two things happens. Either the team that plays the up uh, the uh, the up-tempo pace like Golden State wins the title, or LeBron James wins the, t- wins the title. One of those two things has to happen to him. That's what that's one of the best things about this series. Yeah, that's so true. God, this is going to be a great series. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Uh Predictions for the NBA Finals. I'm going to say Warriors in six, but I would say Warriors in five if it was the 2-2-1-1-1 format. But since it's the 2-3-2, yep. I'm going to say Warriors in six. No, it is the 2-3-1-1-1. Oh, no, they changed it to 2-3. Okay. Yeah, they changed that. They changed that uh, that rule last year. This is the second oh, year sorry, of the yeah. 2 one 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 The reason I didn't know was because we didn't need a sixth game last year. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's see. I will say that it's going to be the Warriors and five. Oh, God, see, this is me. I couldn't, like, I was so, the NHL, I was like, Hawks and seven. I didn't even have to hesitate, right? This one, I was just, I've got, God, why did it have to be LeBron James? Because, like, I have right here on my little sheet of paper, and I have to circle one, otherwise I'm a punk, but I have, on one side, I've written Cavs and six. And on the other side, I've written Warriors in five, much like yourself. Oh, my God. I just – I hate going against LeBron. I, oh, my God. I am going to what I think is chicken out, and I am going to say Warriors in six. I want to say Warriors in five, but I think I'm going to chicken out and say Warriors in six. God, that's so gutless. I'm well, so gutless right now. I hate it. Yeah, oh, I, I get it. Um, I I just, I think Golden State's X Factor in yeah. the series. I, I just, is, I, uh, and they've clearly got the better coach. Like the, like, the, like the coaching aspect in this. Golden State wins the coaching aspect. And, and running time. away. Like David Blatt tried to, like we mentioned it earlier, he tried to do the, the, he tried to have one of the all-time great blunders that would have been on, you know, top 10 biggest mistakes in the history of the NBA or just in the history of sports with that timeout called. Meanwhile, Steve Kerr's pulling all of the right strings. And not only that, but Blatt, like, tried to call the timeout thing that nearly, you know, bleeped up that entire game and series and maybe even playoffs for the Cavaliers. And then he went into the huddle and said, LeBron, you're taking it out of bounds. And then LeBron was like, no, I'm not. Like it's, like, it's like, LeBron, you're taking it out of bounds. And he goes, no, I'm not. The ball's coming to me, and I'm going to shoot it, and I'm going to win the game. And Blatt is like, all right, let's do it. And then, I, that may mitigate the coaching factor a little bit is, like, I guess, like LeBron. Yeah, the fact that, 
final say, not yeah. only on the coaching, but if you believe uh, some of the speculation that you've heard, uh, or, or I've read at least, uh, he also has the final say in the GM's office because, from what I understand, Shumpert, the, the, the Shumpert trade was his idea, and he also said make sure you get J.R. Smith too. Um, so, yeah, that's that's something. And, hey, GM LeBron appears to be doing a pretty good job. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just like, like I don't, I can't imagine, like, I thought that um, Eric Spolstra was going to be the all-time coach tail riding coach of you know sports history but you know like i think spolstra gets uh unfair credit i'll admit like he's like he's at least a coach yeah and here's the thing um play lebron at the four like it's something that that's happened a lot but he's the guy that popularized play lebron before obviously because he was a coach play brought bosh at the five and just fill in the rest and that was the Miami's best lineups. And that once they sort of figured that out and figured the way that they were going to do offense, that they were better off. Yeah, like Spolster at least figured shit out. Like, oh, I, yeah. I was trying not to cuss, but I just did, and I don't care. But, like, he at least figured some stuff out and was able to be like, okay, guys, we're going to do this. And then, you know, the big three guys in, in Miami were like, oh, okay, yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Like, Blatt is just – he is trying to become the all-time coattailing – coattail riding guy and just, he's awful um what player do you think made the most money for himself this offseason um besides deandre jordan so the nominees for this too i'm gonna give you two options tristan thompson or damari carroll um let's be quite like are we, are we gonna be the the thought process here that before the playoffs started green was gonna get the max no matter what yes okay that's fair uh well, we're gonna thompson. get to draymond green later <laughs> yeah uh, Thompson. Yeah, I agree. I think he's going to get a uh, healthy, healthy pump up from the Cavaliers. Um, biggest disappointment of the NBA playoffs. What do you think? And there's a lot of things to choose from. <laughs> yeah. Um, hmm, biggest disappointment. I, I'm just trying to think about a team that went out really early that maybe shouldn't have. You've blocked out the one team from your memory. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not even going to say Toronto, because I knew Toronto wasn't good. Yeah, well, I had I, my, my three biggest disappointments were lack of competitive series, like, or the, the lack of a lot of competitive series, because we really only had a couple. Uh, the Toronto Raptors were one, because they had home court advantage and got swept. And how do you feel about Rajon Rondo? Well, he, he might have been the guy that lost the most money. Oh, he uh, absolutely did. Yeah, he didn't have a good series. Uh, but uh, he's, I, if I'm him, I'd go sign a one-year deal someplace and try to reestablish my value, but we can, we can get that later. Um, where does Tom Thibodeau end up? I would, I would have bet a lot of money on the Pelicans before they hired Jensen. Yeah. I, think, I think Thibodeau takes the year off. He just he doesn't seem like a guy who, who can do that. No, I, here, here's what I do if I'm Thibodeau. I take the year off. I let the Lakers run down the clock on some of their bad contracts, like oh, Kobe Bryant, for example. Um, I let them regroup and bring in whoever they're, they're going to bring in this offseason and next. And then I take over the, La- the Lakers when Scott is inevitably fired the end of next season. Oh, God. That would make me so sick to my stomach, Thibodeau coaching the Lakers. Um, do you actually think that they will make a rule in this offseason to get rid of the, the, the Hacka whoever? Um, there'll be talk about it, but I just, I, yeah, maybe they will. I don't know. It's, it's, it's hard to say. Like the, the solutions are obvious. I don't know if they're going to want to go with them. Well, the obvious solution is just off the ball fouls. You get our one shot in the ball done. Yeah. Like sure. done the hack or whatever is fixed. But I, 
don't agree with it because you're regulating skill out of the game, right? It's the same thing as the trapezoid rule in the NHL. Yeah, but I don't... It's, it's, it's boring. Like it's, I uh... guess, but like you can't like you you can't if you have a guy who can't make free throws, you have to be punished for that. I'm sorry, like that's just the way the game is. Like, yeah, I, I, I get it. We can uh, we can break this down. We're not. Uh... An hour thirteen deep. But, That's true. Uh, um, I, I, I get it. We can uh, we can talk about it when and if they do or don't do something. Um, one more. This this should be fun. Um, because I don't know if you've noticed, but the press conferences, the the, the post game press conferences have been a lot more entertaining than a lot of the playoff games. At yeah. Some you know a lot of the points. Um, so I'm going to ask you what the best press conference moment of the playoffs is so far. Here are the nominees: Dirk Nowitzki and his microphone. Guy asking LeBron awkward Kyrie Irving questions with Kyrie Irving sitting right next to him. Yeah. Rick Carlisle putting tape over his mouth. Still haven't heard the best one. Who's and who's Riley Curry. Riley over, Curry. Riley Curry. <laughs> Riley Curry. Yeah. She's awesome. I love Riley. I want to see her after every single Warriors win. I want to see her with the NBA championship trophy and NBA Finals MVP trophy at the end of the finals. If, uh, if Golden State wins, I want to see both those things on the podium at the same time. Uh, with Riley Curry sitting right next to both of those trophies, please, please, please let that happen. Who was it? Was it Brian Windhorst who wrote the? Uh... Yeah, he, he he's the one that he was one of the ones that tweeted the why is Riley Curry here ruining our blah 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 blah. Yeah, it was just like ah, oh, and then he went so, on he had to defend himself. Yeah, Windhorst screwed up, and I like Windhorst. Yeah, I, I do. I like Windhorst, but he, he got he, very he, 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 he went very get off my lawn on that one. He, he screwed up, and that was dumb. Yeah. All right. Um. So. We'll play the old, I'll say a name, and you say what team you think they're playing for next year. This should probably be a little easier with the NBA guys. Right. Kevin Love. Los Angeles Lakers. <sighs> Marc Gasol. Memphis Grizzlies. Agreed. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. San Antonio Spurs. Oh, I love it. Love it. God, I hope that. Think about pop with a guy like that. Oh, oh God. please, please yeah. let that happen. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, he's restricted, though. San Antonio Spurs. Agreed. Uh, DeAndre Jordan. I heard some people talking about Portland for him. That would be fun. I'll go with Portland. I don't think he goes back to the Clippers. I think the Clippers realize that they have to do some things and, and shift some things. And they need money. Right. Um, Draymond Green, who's also restricted. Golden State Warriors. Uh, Rajon Rondo. Oh, could be anywhere. <laughs> like, yeah, like the, the money is not going to be something that is a problem. Yeah, like would you, could you see him in New Orleans next year? That's not unreasonable. I don't know if Gentry is going to want him, though. That's true. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Gentry's I mean, not, he's not Gentry's a Ronnie guy. He's want a guy you can shoot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to just kind of see how some of the other things work out. I don't think Rondo is one of the guys who signs early in the offseason. We'll, we'll put it that way. Yeah, he's, yeah, he'll be one of the last dominoes to fall. Uh, Jimmy Blutler. Oh, pardon me. Jimmy Butler, uh, who's also restricted. Chicago Bulls. Uh, Paul Pierce. Ooh. He has one year left on his deal, but he has said that he will void it or something. I yeah, don't... I think that he has a way to, to get out of it. He has a way to get out of it and has um, expressed interest. I think he stays in Washington. Just think so? He's expressed interest. If he does leave, he's playing for, like, like, he has three options, I think. Paul, Paul Pierce essentially has three options. One is retirement, which I hope not, because he has enough juice left to help teams that, you know, playoff teams. 
Um, two is he goes back to Washington. And three, door number three is um, the Clippers. Um, some people have talked about him yeah. going back. Maybe, maybe door number three is the right way to go. I don't yeah, know. I, I would really like to see him. Uh, and finally, DeMarcus Cousins. I want Cousins. him out of the Eastern Conference. I don't want him on six ball He has not been kind to the Raptors. No. And finally, DeMarcus Cousins. Oh, boy. He's not a restricted free agent, by the no, way. No, no, no. I realize that they have to, they have to trade him. Yeah. If he gets traded, who has the chips to make it happen? Say it. Say the team name. There are two. Yeah. Boston's one. Yes! <laughs> Aren't the 76ers one, though? Yeah, that's true. And he they've, would got, they've got all sorts of things that they could do there. And physically, he would look better in a Sixers jersey than in the, the blue, the green, and white, but... Like, like, just him coming in that mean-looking... Although, they updated all their... They don't Kings look black aside, anymore. They did. The Kings decided they had to trade Cousins. Would they consider doing it for Jonas Valanciunas, Terrence Ross, and maybe somebody else, plus the uh, Knicks and Denver pick that the Raptors own unprotected for next year? Hypothetically... They would I think them. I think that's at least a conversation. They certainly wouldn't the scoff at the king. The king's people have to call, ha, call each other up and say, "Hey, is this something we're willing to do?" Yeah, like if it, like if this if that was a fantasy trade, they wouldn't immediately hover over and click the reject button. Right. They would at least be like, "Whoa, hold on, let me think about this. Let me break this down." Um, the kings are are so like the people who run that team are so awkward that I think like if the Celtics were like, "Hey, look at all these draft picks." You like draft picks, right? Like they might just go, "Oh, yes, yes, we do," and then try. I don't know. I just hope, God, I hope the Celtics can get Demarcus Cousins in this offseason. That they probably won't, but I'll at least get to. Here's the thing that the, the Kings are going to need in that trade that the Celtics don't have. Is um, they're going to they're gonna... have to get Marcus Smart. Yeah, well, I think they might need a, an actual NBA player that's shown us a little bit more than Marcus Smart. And I like Smart a lot. But are we sure that Smart can be, or is there like, is he going to be one of your three best guys if you win a title? I don't know. I like Smart a lot. Um, I, I just think that beyond and beyond Smart, there isn't a lot with trade value that's on the roster. You know, that's the other thing. So I I I don't know. I think uh, draft picks are nice, and, and Boston can get them uh, if, if they're looking for draft picks, and that's the only thing they're trying to to figure out with the offer. Boston can be, put together the best offer, no problem. But I just think that Smart. Uh, it's got to be a little bit more than smart and draft picks. I think. I don't know. We'll see. And, and maybe there aren't a lot of other teams. Maybe draft picks are all the Raptors because, like you said, the Kings are weird. But we'll see. And if, maybe we could throw a Linux in the trade, and then then you know Kevin Love will feel like signing in Boston. <laughs> <laughs> all we have to do is jettison Kelly, Kelly Olynyk somehow, and then apologize profusely to Kevin Love. Starting a front court with uh, with Cousins and Love both on the floor that would be a problem. Yes. Yes, it would. Um, I think Love is going to get back to being Kevin Love once he gets off. Of I think league. so too. I, he wasn't used properly, and the th- the frustrating thing about the the injury with against Boston was uh, in the Celtics series they started to use him properly, and I don't know if they're yeah. just waiting for the playoffs to do it or what, but they they started using him more like Kevin Love should be used, and then all of a sudden he gets hurt. So. Yeah, God, that was tragic, and I, I don't think Olenek did it on purpose or anything. But no, he probably... I think he was. I think he did a reckless thing. Yeah, very I think reckless. That if you're pulling on a guy's arm like that, like the thought, hey, wait a minute, maybe he might get hurt should cross your mind. 
but it, I don't think he went into that loose ball situation like, oh, this is my chance to hurt Kevin Love. Yeah, yeah. he's Canadian. That's not how we. That's not right. how we think. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, Craig Needles. This is a lot of fun. I enjoyed this. It's good having you. You got to come on for one of our uh, hilarious commentary tracks sometime, but it's always fun to have you uh, doing the sports stuff. Um, trying to think when we're going to get you on next. It'll probably be for NHL draft stuff, unless unless we want to talk post-finals and maybe break it down. We'll see how it goes. Anyway, once again, thanks for coming out. Talk soon. Do you have anything you want to plug before you go? No, I'm good, except for, you know, the, the radio show. It's on yeah. Monday mornings at 9.30. Yeah. And my 80 All right. Take care, man. Bye.